Need a break from the horrifying reality of real life? Well, do we have a sexy deal for you. Go to adamandeve.com and use our special code HORROR for 50% off almost any item and free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R at checkout for 50% off and free shipping. Order now and get ready to... We're your aunts right now. Hello, everybody. Hi, friends. Welcome in. Welcome in to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of I'm Horrified. I feel like we never welcome in the listeners enough. Come on in. Get cozy. Yeah, take a minute. Grab a drink. Do you need a water? Do you need a water? Do you want something? We're your aunts right now. Let us be your <laughs> podcast aunts. Have you Do eaten you today? you want to hear, Al, a real thought that I had not that long ago? Yeah. So, um, I, my friends joke that I have, like, a, a cool aunt aesthetic. You do, yeah. That's what I like to be. Right now I'm wearing a matching set of pajamas, so, I mean, mm-hmm. there's that. But, um, I do love a Birkenstock, and I have some. And, um, the ones I have go, like, between my toe. They're, like, a, like, a, a thong-type sandal. Mm-hmm. And a true thought I had the other day was, man, I wish I had, like, the over-the-foot ones, because then I could wear them with socks into the fall. Uh, that's a real thing I, I, I thought to myself and, and stood by for a good hour before I was like, Jesus Christ. Chris does that. I, I respect, obviously it's something I covet. Um, no, it's, it's gargantuanly nerdy. I agree. Um, I don't do it. I have those types and I don't do it, but, um, the idea of having a second pair of Birkenstocks only for them to be my fall with sock Birkenstocks, that's a new level for me. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough <laughs> one to to deal with. Um, but, you know, as we age, um, we all have different thoughts. Like, you know, the other day I um, had one bottle of wine delivered. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Just one bottle of wine. You needed it. And I needed it. And I didn't want what to What was it? What was, the, what was the wine? It was a Josh Pinot Noir. Oh, I love Josh. 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 I love a Josh too. I'm going to have some of that with dinner and Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about it. Named after Um, his dad, Josh. That's story of the wine. And I got the the most excited I got this in the past couple weeks is I decorated my house for Halloween Mm -hmm. Um, and it's September and I'm one of those ladies who has a wreath for every holiday Mm -hmm. and I'm just so excited to get my box down and start my decorating. Um, When are you going to give me a date when you think you're going to decorate for Christmas? Uh, November 1st. November 1st, do you think? No always, Thanksgiving always, interim. always, always November 1st. It's always Fair been enough. November 1st. Um, the second Halloween is over. Um, last year, my mom did it also. Um, I was over there and mm-hmm. I was like, let's decorate for Christmas. And she was like, it's too early. And then we did it. And she was like, this is delightful. <laughs> and I was right. It's she came around to your way of thinking. Especially, it makes me really happy because... I have this sweet little fall area and I, we have an office, but Chris works in the office. I have a little desk out in the living room, uh, which I prefer because I like to watch TV while I work like a um, delinquent. Um, but I'm in this like cute little fall nook now. That is doing true. My work, and there's in little way you're pumpkin lights. your office. Exactly. And I feel like office decorations happen earlier because, you know, you have, you have nothing to do mm-hmm. um, in your office. So, um, you know, I'll make some paper pumpkins. Maybe I'll throw a hand turkey in there or something for Thanksgiving. I don't really care about Thanksgiving. 
Um, I care about Halloween and Christmas. Um, but speaking of Halloween. Speaking really, of Halloween, this is actually a great segue. Great segue for what I'm going to talk about. I am going to talk about Disney's 2003 adaptation of The Haunted Mansion and how bad it was. I can't wait because I've never seen it. And Sam, what are you going to talk about? Um, there's been uh, some, some shitty men in Bachelor news, so I'm going to give you some breaking news on uh, two really shitty guys who are on The Bachelor. Shitty Bachelor men. I love it. We will, we'll breeze through this so we can get to that. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I want you, I want a minute by minute recap. Let's lavish in it. <laughs> so, um, I decorated for Halloween. I said that. Um, so I was in the mood, I was in the mood for something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was like a real horror movie. Cause I have been on a horror movie kick actually. I love horror movies. Um, and Chris doesn't, so he just has to sit there and let it happen to him. Um, and so I've been, I was like, I want to watch something Halloween-y. Do I want to watch a decom? Do I want to watch like, like a Halloween town? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was like, you know what I have never seen all the way through is Disney's 2003 Haunted Mansion. And now I heard it was bad. So let's fucking go. And so me and Oscar, my dog, sat on the couch and we tucked in and we were like, all right, let's let this happen. And it was so bad. And I was brought back to like, I think I watched like a scene of it and I was like, oh, and I changed the channel. But so I watched the entire narrative for you people. Um, And I'm here to say that it is bad. But why, Sam, is it bad? And, And how did it come to be? Yeah. Why would they make a movie off, based off of the Haunted Mansion starring Eddie Murphy? Why did they do that? Why did they do that to us, Sam? Um, let's talk about it. So basically, in the late 90s, early 2000s, end of the Disney Renaissance, mm-hmm. Google it. No, I don't have time to explain it. Um, uh, end of the Disney Renaissance, Disney Animation Studios has been making all of these fantastic musical animated films based off of classic stories. Um, CEO Daddy Michael Eisner, um, who is a bad person, but did a lot for Disney at the time, is like obsessed with the film franchises that Disney is putting out. And he's also obsessed with money, making money. Like, so he'll only green light things that he knows are gonna be a hit. Mm -hmm. Um, so he starts doing a lot of live action remakes. So he does the parent trap. They do, um, 101 Dalmatians. They start remaking classics and doing, um, just really straightforward, uncreative movies, um, after the Disney Renaissance, Mm -hmm. um, where they had a lot of success. Now, in a twist of events, he greenlights a movie based off of Pirates of the Caribbean, which is the love passion project of Jerry Bruckheimer and Gore Verbinski. Um, And they have been like trying to do Pirates of the Caribbean for so many years. They're like, please let us do it. It's going to be amazing. Um, And they do it and it is amazing. And it's very good. It's very good. Mm -hmm. Johnny Depp's a piece of shit, but it's a very, very good movie. Um, Watch it for Keira Knightley and Orlando Bloom alone. Absolutely. They're great in it. Um, and Captain Barbosa. Fantastic. Um, so that movie was a massive success. And so Daddy Eisner 
dollar signs in the eyes, how do we replicate this? He doesn't think this was a fantastic film because it's got like an awesome, adventurous storytelling narrative. The narrative is well-written, the characters are engaging, there's high stakes for everyone involved. None of that's important. He says, Disney park ride. People love it. It's a classic. They want to see movies of Disney park rides. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to bring them if that's what they want to see. Totally missed the mark on what made Pirates of the Caribbean and the Curse of the Black Pearl, like, good. Yep. (laughs) Um, And there are many things, but the fact that it's also a theme park ride is not one of them. Right. do I love the Pirates of the Caribbean theme park ride? Yes, I do. But that's not why it was good as a film. So all of a sudden, he greenlights a bunch of movies based off of Disney park, Disney theme park rides, such as the Country Bear Jamboree. So he greenlights a movie for the, called the Country Bears. Um, and that, I, it's too painful for me to even talk about because I love the Country Bear Jamboree so much as a ride. Yeah. And the topic of today, 2003 Haunted Mansion starring Eddie Murphy. So that's why, mm-hmm. that's why we're here to talk about this. So the plot, I'm going to try to breeze through the plot as fast as I can. The plot of the movie is that Jim Evers and Sarah Evers, Eddie Murphy and Marsha Thomason, um, are realtors and they are like kind of squabbling because he's too into work, not enough into family. And, you know, his wife is like, you, we need to go to the lake this weekend. But he's like, well, I got to go see this. Um, like you've been asked to come see this house that's like this huge house we got to go to it because Sarah the wife was contacted by the owner of a mansion and they said we want you to come over and sell our house they get there super creepy creaky gate crows everywhere they Mm. go in there's a scary butler and he's like you were supposed to come alone and she's like that's weird why would you say that um and then they like get caught there. There's like a flood, so they have to stay overnight. And it becomes revealed that Sarah, the wife, looks exact. First of all, they're all ghosts. Everyone's dead and a ghost in the house. I I skipped over that point. So what I you're saying? Have. So what you're saying is this mansion is haunted? Bingo, bango, Sam. <laughs> um, yes, I did leave out the fact that it's a haunted mansion. <laughs> I'm not very good at retelling plots. Um, So yeah, haunted. They're all dead. It's revealed that there are all ghosts in this house because the guy who owns it had a love of his life who was gonna marry, who killed herself, and he's been so sad that they all had to be ghosts, which makes absolutely no sense. It's like, I get him being a ghost. That's a bummer. But everyone's a ghost now? It's like a Beauty of the Beast. It's like the Beast made a mistake, and now everyone's a teapot? That feels wrong. And now um, the child is a chipped cup? Exactly. Um, so it, it, it becomes clear that they saw Sarah, the wife, in um, a listing, and she looked exactly like the um, woman who had killed herself. Or did she kill herself? She didn't. Um, is what's revealed. And so the guy's like, this is my wife, come back to me. And she's like, I was born in the 1980s. I'm not your wife. I'm not your ghost wife. Leave me alone. Um, And basically the butler killed the wife way back when. And so everything's haunted and that's why. So through a bunch of who's a what's it's, crazy schemes, 
crazy tomfoolery and shenanigans. The truth is revealed. Butler gets sent back to hell or sent to hell for the first time. And then all of the ghosties get to go to heaven. And then the Evers family gets to leave. Huh. So that's a, that's a plot. <laughs> that's one plot for you. Um, now there's nothing wrong with this, I guess, on, on the, on the whole, but let's talk about the issues that I have with it. Number one, the plot in its, in how it's drawn out is very uninspired, predictable, and dry. Mm-hmm. Like the whole plot is about a man who needs to put his family before work. I'm bored. Yeah. I'm bored of that plot line. And it's kind of like, <clears throat> you know, she looks just like her from a long time ago. But you know it's not her because she would have been her like her ghost would have been trapped in the house too. Very yeah. confusing. But that's not even the problem here. The plot is the plot is bad. It's very bad and it's very uninspired. But that's not even the problem. The problem is the performances. The performances are phoned the hell in. Eddie Murphy is, I mean, he's Eddie Murphy, so he's very funny and good, Mm -hmm. but in a way that's just like, I'm bored. I'm so bored. Everyone else is just like, I think the other thing that is crazy to me is that no one's scared. Like scary things keep happening, but no, at no point are any of the characters upset or scared. Um, and, and that makes sense because nothing is sincerely scary. Like nothing's really too spooky in this world, but the whole time, like, you know, like there's a floating head coming down the hallway and they're like, wow, I think it wants us to follow it. And I'm like, how are you not freaking out? Like, wouldn't you be freaking out? Wouldn't you be freaking out if you're in a scary place and like, there's cobwebs everywhere and like, they all are dressed like they're from the, like Edwardian era. Like, wouldn't, like, there was just... I, there was so much suspense of disbelief on behalf of the characters that was difficult for me. Um, nextly, Madame Leota. So in the ride, Madame Leota is a floating head and she is um, a, oh, what is the word? Like a fortune teller? Yeah, she's like a fortune teller and she's like hosting a seance in the ride. And um, she was originally voiced by uh, one of the uh, workers at Disney who worked in design named Leota Toombs. Her name was actually Leota Toombs. That's and a great And she had name. like beautiful high cheekbones. So they, they, they put her face as the face um, for the ride. And Madame Leota is super cool and super spooky. And they cast Jennifer Tilly to play Madame Leota. And it is a slap in the face for that. That casting is a slap in the face to the ride. It's ridiculous. It's an absurd casting. Um, I think everyone's poorly cast in this film. Eddie Murphy deserved better. Mm-hmm. Um, the child actors did not deserve better. The child actors were bad. Their child actors are always bad. But I think the biggest problem that I have with this film is that it's so just like trying to be like a spooky story mm-hmm. and trying to be like, oh, like, did she kill herself or did she not? Like, you have to find a letter that proves she didn't. And first of all, as Jenny Nicholson spoke about in her video, Better Disney Ride Movies, there is already a narrative 
in the ride. Like there's already a good narrative in the ride and it's about a blood hungry ghost bride who keeps taking in unsuspecting men to be her groom and then she chops their heads off and takes all their money. Now that is a really good, I, I want to see that movie. So true. Very interested in that. But like bypassing that, like they change the plot, fine. But the whole reason that the Haunted Mansion is so awesome in Disney World is because it is like an aesthetic masterpiece. Like it just gets you in the mood for spookiness. Like even there's like an example of like, there's a great Halloween movie called Paranorman. And um, they do a fantastic job in that film of like capturing this spooky essence of like a New England town and the woods and the crunching leaves and the cold air. And like, it's a sweet little movie. It's a wonderful movie. But like in that film, they do a great job of capturing an aesthetic. They capture an aesthetic of Halloween, of, of like fall, of autumn, of transition, of all these things. And this film has like no aesthetic. It's brightly lit, first of all. I would like to speak to the lighting director and um, it's just, it doesn't have any care for like setting the scene and it's all about the scene in the ride. So um, it's a giant disappointment mm -hmm. for several reasons. Um, there are, there's a little bit of hope, not for the 2003 version. No, it's over. It's too late. It's too late for the 2003 version. Um, but there are rumors that noted horror aficionado Guillermo del Toro is in talks with Disney to make another Haunted Mansion movie. I was literally just thinking as you were speaking to me, uh, it's you know who would do a good job peak that was like taking all place in that spooky house. And yep, that was aesthetic. That's Guillermo or like, Pan's Labyrinth is yeah. an, an excellent um, example of like a world building through aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, I would love, I would love it. Or I would hate it. And maybe, yeah, that's the thing is like, maybe I wouldn't like it. Maybe it would be another letdown. It sounds like it would be good. I think it would be good, but I don't know. Um, but I want to just quickly read a couple of um, Rotten Tomatoes reviews <laughs> of the 14% 14 14 movie, The Haunted Mansion. So it got 14% out of 100. Um, so um, Brian Parks writes, Rob Minkoff has directed a movie that's nearly laughless and nowhere near as frightening as what's happened to Eddie Murphy's career. Um, uh, Christian C. Audience review. The Haunted Mansion is the Olive Garden of Disney films. Bland and pointless. You may not die from the experience, but is that really a blessing? Um, uh, doo -doo -doo. There was another one that I loved. Doo -doo -doo. This is, I think, um, absolutely inaccurate. If you go into the this expecting great cinema, you'll be sadly disappointed. However, if you love old school Scooby-Doo and you approach this film with that mindset, it's actually a lot of fun. I disagree with that. 
Oh man. I disagree because I think you probably have some taste if you like Scooby-Doo. That's true. I love Scooby-Doo. If you like live action Scooby-Doo, now that's different. No. How no. dare you? Live action Scooby-Doo <laughs> is good. No, I like live action Scooby-Doo too. Um, but yeah, so that's the Haunted Mansion 2003. It's garbage. Um, but like all garbage, I strangely want to watch it again. There you go. So what maybe there's something to it. Maybe I was wrong all along. If, if Guillermo del Toro went to you, Allie, and said, I want you to write the script, what would, what would your, would you focus it on the bride or would you try to approach from a different angle? What do you think? I think that I might, um, I might focus it on the bride. I might focus it on also like, um, the servants or something like you could make a new like a new plot through the servants or I would be interested to see why Constance Hatchet which is the name of the bride like I'd like for her to have an interesting backstory yes um maybe that all of these men were bad people who were like hurting women and she's basically like um the Dexter of murderers there you go you know what I mean yeah, I feel like you could do a cool, like, mini anthology series with it, where, like, each episode is, like, explaining how a different ghost got into the house. So, like, the, yeah. episode, the initial builder, and then, like, they somehow die, and their ghosts are there, and then the next episode is, like, 30 years later, a family moves in. That's a really great point, because they make a point to say there's 999 happy haunts who live here. And it's basically like they're like a boarding house. And they're yeah. like, but there's room for a thousand, meaning you in the ride. You, you, potentially. you would be the dead person who died and then stays, but would be definitely into that of like, how did you get here? Kind of like Foster's Home for Imaginary Children. <laughs> they yeah. kind of like um you get to see all they all interact. Like a buddy comedy. There you go. Um, but with ghosts. Love that. So what I'm hearing is that Guillermo call us because we can create. We can make magic together. Yeah, I think um, so. I really think he would do a good job. I do I think, think so. That would. And yeah. my God, maybe it would make up for what happened to me yesterday <laughs> when I watched this. <laughs> um, but until then, all we have is the ride. All we have is the ride. And it's one of your favorites. It really is. It's one of my faves. It's up there with CB Jams. Yeah. Um, which is high praise. High praise. But Sam, I'm done talking about the Haunted Mansion. Something I never thought I could say. I'm I know. I can't believe I'm done it. talking about a Disney ride. Um, <laughs> I want to hear about The Bachelor. Let's talk about The Bachelor a little bit. Um, we all know I'm Bachelor trash. I haven't kept that a secret. Um, so I like to keep up in the news on Bachelor Nation just because what else am I doing right mm. now? <laughs> nothing um and lately there's like two breaking news stories in bachelor nation that revolve around just a couple of garbage men and i thought let's give you guys a quick synopsis on what's happening because i think it can be fun sometimes to like hear the drama from fandoms that you're not really in uh definitely because you have like no horse in the game but you're like ah i can't believe he said that um, there was a great Reddit post recently that was like, what's a piece of drama in your niche interest that probably the rest of us haven't heard about? And it was things like, oh, there's a big fight in the knitting community right now over XYZ. And it was like a fascinating thread to read. Wow, that. I love that. But so that's me doing this for you for The Bachelor. Uh, so we're going to start with Garrett Yurgrogian. Uh His last name is spelled 
Y-R-I-G-O-Y-E-N. I'm just going to call him Garrett. <laughs> Garrett. So Garrett was the winner of Becca Kufrin's season of The Bachelorette. They got engaged in 2018 when he was her final pick, and they had been engaged all the way up through recently. Um, so this was a pretty long relationship. They were in a relationship for like two years. And as the show was airing back in 2018, uh, Garrett got a lot of flack for things he had liked on Instagram. Uh, it was clear really early that he was like a front runner. So people went to his Instagram account to kind of see what was up. And what they found there is that he had been liking a lot of conservative memes. No. I know. We did so, a whole episode about conservative memes. We did. So um, some of his n- notable likes, there was a picture of like a plus-sized woman wearing like a feminist t-shirt compared to Tommy Laren, who's like a conservative pundit. Uh, and the caption was something like, conservative women versus liberal women. Yeah, I think we win this one. Uh, gross. <laughs> Ew. Then there was a picture of a U.S. soldier, and they look like they're playing with, like, a young kid. They're doing the thing where you, like, hold their arms and kind of swing a kid around, which is, if you hang out with a small child, is, like, a popular thing to do. Um, And the caption was, when a kid makes it over the wall, so you have to throw him back. Uh, Gross. That's fucking disgusting. Uh, And then another one was a picture of a job interview, and the interviewer says, it looks like you got all C's in high school. And the person says, I identify as an A student. And the interviewer says, that's not how this works. Uh, Which is obviously criticizing, like, the trans community for gender identity and all that stuff. Obviously, these are all gross as fuck. Yeah, that's Um, disgusting. But they're pretty typical conservative memes. And they were all likes. None of them he had posted on his account, notably. He just, this gets brought up. So they were all just likes. Kind of feels the same to me, but yeah, I, I mean, like, if, if you retweet it or if you like it, it still means that you endorse it and that you believe in it. Yes. I, I, I agree with you. Garrett might not. So this all comes out as the show is airing. So we don't know what happens in the show. We're just, it's just like Becca Kufrin's, you know, a guy from Becca Kufrin's season of Bachelorette is liking all these conservative memes, or he did before he went on the show. And so he deletes his entire old Instagram account. He starts fresh. <laughs> And on his new Instagram account, he posts a statement, like an apology. And so he says, um, I'm reading this as I'm talking to you. Uh, This is all new to me. I went on The Bachelorette for the adventure and the possibility of falling in love, not fame. I didn't know what to expect once the show aired. I am sorry to those who I offended. And I also take full responsibility for my likes on Instagram that were hurtful and offensive. Um, He says he took down his former Instagram handle for a fresh start, quote, because I have learned an extremely valuable lesson and I'm taking steps to grow, become more educated, and be a better version of myself. I am not perfect, and I will never be anywhere close, but now I will always be more informed and aware of what I am liking and supporting, not just on Instagram, but in life. I never realized the power behind a mindless double tap on Instagram and and how it bears so much weight on people's lives. I did not mean any harm by it. Most of my Instagram likes were not a true reflection of me and my morals. And then he goes down being like, I'm not these negative labels people are putting on me. I don't want to be judged by my Instagram likes. I love meeting new people. I'm really friendly. Da 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 da. Again, I sincerely apologize and I'm sorry for any hurt, damage, or offense I may have caused. I don't love this apology because it has a real vibe of like, people should not care about my Instagram likes. They should know I'm a good person. 
and like it's like if you like a like (laughs) means that you like something yeah that you agree with it that you laughed at it as you were scrolling like I'm not trying to like act like no I keep saying like um it's oh, that's just so infuriating of like you should know I'm a good person even though I t- I double tap on transphobic memes. Why wouldn't I be a good person? Why wouldn't you just assume that I didn't like that that yeah. I accidentally tapped it? Like what is your fucking point here? Exactly. And the way that's the thing that really hit me is like gross. The way he kept being like I never realized a double tap on a picture could really cause this Yeah, much- like minimizing it. Yeah. Making like other people sound crazy for being offended. So, um, the, this drama was pretty big because Becca, who was the bachelorette, was a loud and proud feminist that had been a, a big part of her kind of brand that she was building. Um, and so she came out with a comment shortly after this and she said, I want viewers to be open to everyone and I want them to get to know them through the season with me and watch my love story unfold with all these men. Again, they didn't know the end of the season yet. Um, because that's how I went on into this journey. People say and do certain things. I've done things in the past that I'm sure wasn't the best thing. I can't fault anyone for what they believe. And who's to say that anything that anyone likes is truly what they believe or if they just double tap. I can't speak to that because that's not me. I am a strong woman and I do believe in certain things. But again, that's what's so great about our country is that everyone is entitled to their opinions. So after that, everyone was like, oh shit, she picks Garrett. Because... (laughs) exactly because why else would you defend him why yeah why would you come out with a statement like that if you're an out and proud feminist and ally to these communities if she which she is not yeah well that's 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 going to become a a thing in the next section oh i really want to i I need to know more i need to know more but so everyone was like oh shit she must be garrett and she does. Um, and then there, like, after the final rose special, he, like, kind of apologizes again. And he's like, I've learned so much and I've grown so much. And Becca's like, I know who he is as a person. And we've had a lot of conversations. And I know he's a good person. And I hope you guys will see, like, da-da-da. So great. Every It kind of calms down. Everyone's like, okay, well, maybe it's fine. Maybe he's going to date Becca and she's genuinely going to, like, educate him about all this stuff. Fast forward to this year. <laughs> uh, and the uh death of george floyd and the black lives matter movement that has really grown in this country garrett uh participates in blackout tuesday as does uh becca and a lot of the bachelor community because they're also influencers uh but then a few days later he posts a thin blue line picture no 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 um with a caption so long (laughs) with a caption so long so I've just, um, I've highlighted a few parts of it, but I have the whole thing if you have any questions. So it starts, I've been pretty tore up the past week about everything going on. I've listened, learned, helped, supported, and grown. With so many friends and family in law enforcement, I couldn't sit back and not support them. And the hundreds of thousands of men and women of all races that represent this thin blue line as well. So that's how it starts. <laughs> that's not a good start. No. So he goes on that it's important to recognize people who are da-da-da. The thin blue line represents each officer protecting protesters, properties, and businesses while being threatened, attacked, shot, shot at, hit with vehicles, and other forms of brutality. There have been over 300 injured, shot, or killed in just one week. They're suffering all these consequences, da-da-da-da-da. We can't judge an entire group of people by the actions of a few. 
We can't judge the peaceful protesters by the actions of a few violent protesters. And we sure can't judge all co cops by the actions of a few bad ones. Goes on and on and on and on. Uh, it's long, it's also trash. It's just garbage. So unnecessary for him to fucking post. Such a dumb false equivalency between protesters and cops. So infuriating that he would feel the need to write this fucking giant Instagram post. That he would feel the need to, like, shove his fucking opinion into something that has nothing to do with him. Exactly. So here's the fun wrench in this. Becca is the host of the official Bachelor podcast, Bachelor Happy Hour, with Rachel Lindsay, who is the only lead of color who has ever been on the show. She was the Bachelorette, I think, maybe one or two seasons before Becca and she is Black, and they're very good friends. So she doesn't comment on any of this when Garrett's post initially goes out. But then the Bachelor Happy Hour episode comes out, and obviously her and Rachel talk about it. And so Becca says, Oh my god, I want to listen posted, to this. I don't align with, and I don't agree with. I don't think he meant it in a malicious way. I do think it was tone deaf, and it was the wrong time and message and sentiment. I am trying to get him to see the bigger picture. Garrett is my fiance and I love him. And to his core, I believe he is a good person. And Rachel responds, again, on the podcast, like actively they're having this conversation. Rachel says, I don't understand why you say it wasn't malicious or I'm just now understanding things. You have to admit that you made a choice to not see it. A message that Garrett posted totally contradicts the movement that we're trying to push forward. And to see so many people like it, the thinking that Garrett has is a bigger problem. Garrett's post is the problem and the thinking that went into it. You don't think Black people have law enforcement in their family? It's very selfish and it's your white privilege to think that it's the message that you need to put out when Black people are suffering in such a huge way in this country. Way to go, Rachel Lindsay. Rachel Lindsay is the best person who's ever been on this franchise, no question. She has a great podcast called Higher Learning that I highly recommend. So... Uh, later that day, Becca posts on Instagram with another comment basically saying, like, I really regret the way I talked about this on the podcast. I guess they had recorded this, like, 18 hours after Garrett made that post. So she was like, I really wish I would have said some things differently, but I want to leave it up because it is the conversation that Rachel and I had. I don't know where things and I are with Garrett right now, but that's where we're at. And so there's all this speculation for, like, another month or two. They don't seem to be together. Like, he seems like he's with his family, and she seems like she's with her family. And now, officially, as of, like, two weeks ago, they are broken up. Good. So we'll love to see it. Free. Um, and it just, like, it, it seems so crazy to me, but I genuinely think that in the Bachelor bubble, they don't talk about politics until they leave. Like, I think I never even thought about that. That's true, though. I think it literally doesn't come up until they leave the show. <laughs> yeah, my God. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I mean, I'm engaged to a Republican. That like true life. I'm engaged to a Republican. <laughs> I mean, they say some weird things about like, you know, oh, well, I really value X and Y. And you're like, OK, there may be like a little traditional, but fine. And then like. <laughs> You're engaged to a Republican. Ha! Ah. So that's horrific. That's him. He's already interacted with Tommy Laren on Instagram now. And um, I listened to one podcast that's very funny called um, Game of Roses. 
and they're predicting that they're going to date. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And he's going to become like a, um, uh, like a conservative martyr. Yeah. That's, that's what they're predicting. They're very funny. They always like dig into the new contestants and one of the girls on it was saying like, or the girl on it was like, uh, I look at all the new contestants' bios, and if they have an American flag in their profile, pick like their little emojis. I dig through because there's probably some conservative garbage in there. <laughs> Absolutely, like, that is yeah, that is the sign. Um, okay, and then on to number two, Colton Underwood. Is it more conservative nonsense or is it no. different nonsense? No, it's different nonsense. Oh, thank goodness. We get a Although break. I do think Colton is, is probably conservative, but it's, that's not what this is about. Because he sucks. Um, he does suck. Um, this is just a light trigger warning. I'm not going to get into really any detail here, but like if you are triggered by like stalking or semi-abusive relationships, this next section might be a little triggering for you. Um, so Colton Underwood was The Bachelor in 2019. His final pick was Cassie Randolph. This was a whole storyline in the show because she left the show because she was like, I don't know if we're there. I don't know if I can get engaged. And then he like jumped over a fence because he was so upset and he left the show too, kind of, and was like, <laughs> he jumped over a fence because he was so upset. Yeah. I can, <laughs> Is that I what can, you do when you're upset? <laughs> that's the, that's the version. He wanted to get away from the producers. Oh, I got it. I got it. He was so upset with this breakup and they were like, talk to us about your feelings. And he was like, no. Nah. So he jumped over a fence and ran into the Portuguese night and they couldn't find him for like two hours. Uh, which, I mean, that's, that was legendary. But so um, he broke up with the other two girls that were there and he went to Cassie and he was like, I really only want you. I don't care if we don't get engaged. I just want to be with you. And she was like, okay, we will date. So they've been dating ever since. And again, this was 2019. So they've been dating for like a year, maybe even like a year and a half. Um, he had stayed with her family when he had COVID. That was a fun thing that happened in Bachelor Nation. Oh boy. And then they broke up in May. Then some weird stuff happened. So he wrote a whole book about his life. And there was some drama because he added in a chapter that had to do with, like, the recent breakup and all that. And Cassie had wanted approval on that before it went into the book. And that, so that was, like, some weird stuff. And then that kind of got worked out. And then she was, like, interviewed by Chris Harrison and was asked about their relationship. And at first, Colton kind of said it was, like, disrespectful of her to talk about the relationship, and she was kind of looking for attention, but then it kind of pivoted, and she was, and he was like, I know Cassie's, like, a good person, and it was inappropriate of Chris Harrison to have asked. And then they were both maybe just cool with each other, and they both were publicly saying, like, I'll always have a lot of love for Cassie slash Colton, but we're not dating anymore. Like, that was kind of where it landed. Then, on September 14th, very recent... <laughs> We found out th that a judge had approved Cassie's request for a temporary restraining order Ooh, from Colton. Oh, no. And everyone was like, what? So because these are court documents, they were, like, kind of publicly available. And so Cassie is alleging that Colton has been texting her obsessively, setting up fake numbers to harass her from, walking to her house every night at, like, 2 a.m. and, like, by her apartment, to stand in the alleyway by her window and then he put a tracker on her car so he could know where she was at all times. Um, and she has some texts that show like the harassing behavior and also like the semi-obsessive behavior of like, I love you so much. I can't believe we're ending like this, da 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 da, da. Like, so those are now right. kind of in the public sphere. 
And then Colton responded, and he's like, I've been in Colorado for the past few weeks, so I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I had thought we were very amicable. And at first, the tide was kind of, like, pointing to him of, like, oh, yeah, like, what's the deal, Cassie? Do you just want attention? And then in, like, the court filing when it came out, it said, like, yeah, Cassie knows that you are coming back from Colorado, and she is scared of what you're going to do. So that is why she is now applying for a restraining order from you. That's terrifying. And she's been granted, I know, she's been granted a temporary restraining order, which is good. Um, But it's just horrible, and it's, like, again, like, the framing of it was kind of gross, because for a while it was really leaning to, like, well, Colton was always more into Cassie than she was into him, like, she really led him on, and, like, oh, like, she really just wants to stay relevant, so she's bringing all this stuff up. And I'm like, A, even if it was true that maybe she led him on, which I don't think she did, but even if that was true, you don't fucking stalk and put a tracker and harass your ex. Yeah, no behavior on her part warrants that. No. it could. The breakup could have been 100% her fault, and you still cannot do that to another human being. Yeah. Period. Number two, like, how gross is it to be like, oh, well, this poor guy, he just loves her so much. No, he doesn't love her if he's stalking her. It's about power, not love. 100%, exactly. So it seems like now that kind of some of the texts have been leaked, the tides are kind of turning back in Cassie's favor on the internet. Oh, good. Um, Which, God knows, I mean, I'm sure she's not even fucking checking. I'm sure she's just, like, spending- She doesn't give a shit. She probably is just worried about her safety. Yeah. But, like, literally, like, they had been, like, living with her parents, and they took care of Colton while he had COVID. So, like, clearly, they had a very real relationship that was now really in a bad place, and it's just awful, and it's awful that, like, because they're in the spotlight like that, you put all this extra meeting on, like, well, when he jumped the fence for her, like, he proved that he da-da-da. Like, it just is so, ugh. That's so gross. It's so gross. So those are the two shittiest men in the Bachelor Nation right now. Two really good examples of why men are trash. And I'm sure soon we'll have a new man in Bachelor Nation who's absolute garbage that we can talk about. That's the unfortunate thing about Bachelor men is they just keep being terrible. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. I I mean, there are some angels out there, but not many. Not many. Not many. But that's going on. Cannot wait for Claire's season of The Bachelorette. There's already a lot that has gone down with that. And you and my mom can text about it. We frankly should. Does Susan want to come to Somerville for a watch party? <laughs> I bet she would. I bet she would. And you're just there, like, scrolling your phone, annoyed with yeah. that. Yeah, annoyed with the both of you. Um, <laughs> no, I get into it when I watch it. Um, I just never do. But when I'm watching it, I'm totally on board. Absolutely. But um, that was in the last season, I would watch, and Adam would be, like, in the room, not watching, but, like, scrolling his phone. And then, like, after two episodes, all of a sudden, he was like, well, I'm surprised he's not going with Hannah Ann. And I was like, you're watching. <laughs> you're watching it. I he's knew like, it. Oh my God, I'm not. And I was like, if you have an opinion about it, you're watching it. Um, that's exactly true. And I also think that um, I was watching a great show on Netflix called Indian Matchmaking. Fan- mm-hmm. Fantastic show. It's so fun. Um, and uh, Chris was like, like, oh, I guess we can watch it. Like, if you want to. And I, we were watching it. And, um, then, like, he gets up to go to the bathroom, and he kind of looks at me, like, as if to say, like, pause it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you fucking love it! Um, and he does. And it's really good, and you have to watch it so we can talk about how annoying a is. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, 
uh, please tweet at us if you're watching any matchmaking because I'm so excited about it. It's please, so good. Please do. Um, and once Claire's season of The Bachelorette starts, please tweet at me, just me about it. Don't tweet it. I'm horrified because <laughs> Alex on Twitter, she doesn't care. I know. I, I won't have any information. Like, I won't have any, um, I'd have to source it out to you. No, so true. But please tweet at Sam B is me once Bachelorette season starts. Uh, yeah, and I'm horrified pod for any other reason. For literally. So that's, yeah, that's a lot of media for you guys. So you guys go consume that. And um, until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified. Yeah.